calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Realm presents Book Burners, Season 3, Episode 15. One. So, tell me about this step nine thing, Liam said, his hands worrying at a sugar packet. Menchu sighed and put down the file he was reading. Liam stared at him earnestly over the coffee he'd insisted they get together. Step nine is the making amends step in the 12-step program. As part of the healing process, you have to approach the people you harmed and apologize, acknowledge the harm you did to them, and ask for forgiveness. They are under no obligation to give it to you, but for your own healing, you must ask for it. And you have to go through the other eight steps to get there? Liam asked, frowning. He pulled out a battered pocket notebook and flipped through it. Not necessarily, Machu said. While step one, admitting you have a problem, is crucial to the beginning of the process, uh, the other steps you can do in pretty much any order. Well, I'm powerless, that's for fucking sure, Liam said. We've established that. He held up two fingers. I've accepted God into my life and handed my problems to him a long time ago. He looked at his hand. That's two and three, I think. I'm not sure I understand the difference between them. And that's because you're already a practicing Catholic, Menchu said. You know who you are in God's eyes and asked him for help before this process. So I'm ahead of the game, Liam said, smiling. Menchu picked the folder back up. Recovery isn't a race, Liam, or a checklist. And I don't think your problems are connected to addiction, per se. Liam leaned forward, his hands grasping the table. But you see, that's where you're wrong, father. I am powerless when confronted with the dangers of the network. I need God's support to keep me safe. I'm ready to call myself a worthless worm in his eyes, and that's like three steps right there. That's not... Menchu started, but Liam continued. The big thing I'm missing is making things up to people. I need to apologize. I know I've hurt people. It's... Uh, 
He blushed and paused, then continued. It's mostly women I dated while I was with the network. So that's step eight, making the list. Menchu frowned. Your cavalier attitude makes me worried that you're not taking this seriously enough to actually heal. I've not guided many people through this program, but I know that it's not like crossing off a to-do list. And there's a lot of revealing of self and inner demons. Uh, metaphorical in this case, as you've already faced your literal inner demon. Menchu had tried to make a light joke, but Liam stopped smiling. Father, I finally found the courage to show my face to Frances and apologize to her. When I did it, I felt free for the first time. I'm remembering other people I hurt, and I want to apologize to them. I think it'll help me heal. Why are you trying to stop me? Do you really think I'm not serious? Menchu's chest cramped with shame. Liam was right. If he approached his recovery honestly, but with a smile on his face, who was Menchu to chastise him that he wasn't properly somber enough? God knew that the team had too many somber faces these days. His mind went to Grace, and then slid off her like water from a duck. It landed instead on his upcoming meeting with Asante, and he almost preferred to think about Grace. You're right, you must heal, Liam, and I'm sorry I was resisting the path you chose to walk. He smiled at possibly the only person on the team who still trusted him. I'll help you however I can. But for now, I need to see Asante. Go and approach step eight. Make your list, and I'll talk to you later. Liam's face fell when Menchu mentioned Asante and his upcoming meeting, reminding him that Menchu had withheld information from them all about Hana. Menchu gave Liam a strained smile and exited the booth, leaving some money on the table for their coffee. Good luck. Liam watched him go with a strange look on his face, and Menchu had the sickening feeling that Liam possibly didn't trust him as much as he'd hoped. It was pouring rain that night, and Sal sat reading a book wrapped in a blanket. She was getting to the good part when a knock sounded at the door. Through the peephole, she saw Liam standing, shivering and soaked. Jesus, Liam, what's wrong? She said, opening the door and ushering him inside. Why should something be wrong? He asked. She fetched a towel from the bathroom and tossed it to him. He caught it and started toweling his head off. Because she didn't text or call. It's not your style to just drop by. What's wrong? Did Grace leave us again? Just meant you have more secrets? Is that Angel attacking again? I just wanted to see you, he said, rubbing the towel over his head. It's not team three business, so I, I didn't think to text. That had to be a lie. Liam would always think to text first. He looked nervous and avoided her eyes. Sal gestured to the couch and sat on the other side, turning to face him. What's going on? He sighed. All this shit with the network and Francis and Manchu holding stuff back. It's just, it made me think about me and my life and my role in others' lives. Okay, Sal said slowly. And you're here because, please, don't want to get back together? He took a deep breath. Sal, I treated you poorly when we were together. I struggled with my own faith, and I took that out on you. When I needed someone and you were there for me, I pushed you away instead. That wasn't fair. So I am here to apologize. Sal blinked. You 
apologize? He nodded, his face earnest. I do. I'm sorry. And you don't want anything, like, to start things up again? You're just apologizing? He frowned. No, I didn't mean to imply. No, no, you didn't imply anything. I just haven't had a conversation like this that didn't have some kind of other motive, like getting me back. You're just here to say you're sorry? Yeah, you don't need to accept it, but I need to say it. Sal looked at him suspiciously. This phrasing sounded familiar. Liam, are you an AA? AA? He shook his head. No, I'm not quitting drinking, I get daft. But I'm trying to go about this in the same way. Sal, I got really into the network, and I hurt a lot of people. Mostly women. I worked out things with Francis and realized I had others to apologize to. So you're addicted to women or the network? I'm, I'm confused. Fuck, Sal, do you have to make this so hard? Do you accept my apology or not? He calmed instantly. It's all right if you don't. If that's not what's important here. She laughed at him then. He was trying so hard to be both Liam the impatient and Liam the contrite. Yes, I accept your apology. I wasn't completely perfect myself. I'm sorry for that, too. So we're good? We're good. We've been good. She leaned forward and hugged him. Thank God. Now, will you help me find the others? Sal knew there'd be a catch. The new way of going about things with Fox and Control brought a great deal of structure to the lives of the teams who preferred to work on their own. They chafed against a lot of it. But there was one thing he did give them, and that was guaranteed time off when the world wasn't on fire. Sal and Liam had a full weekend to themselves. And when they told Manchu what they had planned, he suggested taking Grace with them to rebuild Team 3 camaraderie. Sal assumed there were a hundred other reasons. He wanted to get Grace out of town because of their recent discoveries, or he thought she and Liam needed protecting, or he wanted to be alone for his continued meetings with Asante. She asked him as much when Liam and Grace had left the archives to pack. Why is she coming? She asked bluntly. He looked alarmed. Do you not want her to go? Is there a conflict I need to know about? No, but you don't send three of us on a vacation together. That's not your style. It's got to be more than team camaraderie. You wouldn't send the majority of the field team away without a reason. He smiled slightly, his eyes dark and tired, and Sal felt a moment of pity for him. Perhaps there are more reasons regarding our team dynamic. You all deserve a break. There isn't much going on here except meetings, but really I want you three to get a sense of working together again. The unsaid words hung in the air between them, and Sal decided to give him a break. All right, so long as there isn't some kind of danger we're walking into that you haven't told us about. With Liam's ex-girlfriends? I can promise nothing, he said. Three. Sal leaned across Liam, who had drawn the short straw and gotten the center seat in the row on the flight to Dublin. So, are you regretting joining us again? She asked Grace with a grin. Grace exhaled, her nostrils flaring. I'm not sure yet, she said. Luckily, most of Liam's ex-girlfriends lived in the British Isles, so they could address most of them in a few days, if they hurried. As usual, they each kept to themselves, Liam surveying the Alcoholics Anonymous website, Sal reading a newspaper, and Grace reading a huge, dusty book she'd gotten from Asante. 
That doesn't look like a classic, Sal said, trying to read the fading print on the spine and failing. Asante, let me look through the Vatican libraries, the non-dangerous ones, Grace said. I figured if Hannah is going to be hitting us close to home, I'd learn a little bit more about our home. I think the book thief would be more of a page-turner, Sal said as Grace sneezed. I may drop by the airport bookstore, Grace said, sniffling and squinting at the archaic type. Too bad she didn't give you one of the good ones, Liam said, eyes not leaving his computer. The Vatican has a surprisingly large collection of ancient porn. Ancient porn? Sal asked. Grace's face grew pink as she attempted to read. Yeah, I've seen some of it. It's pretty out there. He frowned and clicked on the page. Did you know I have to develop a new code of behavior? What does that mean? Don't fuck women when you're messing around with demons? Sal asked and he elbowed her. Just saying, she said, laughing. Maybe the Catholics wanted to better understand the demons they were fighting, Grace said, like lust demons or something. Sal laughed at her, studying them. Ah, oh, come on. Next you're going to tell me that priests and nuns are really celibate and straight. Grace sobered and Sal kicked herself. Something was up between Grace and Manchu, something that happened on a previous mission. Neither had responded to her gentle inquiries for information, so she wasn't sure, but she had always suspected there was some unspoken things between them. And once we reach 10,000 feet, we'll be serving complimentary sodas and coffee, and for the woman in 18F, her own foot, she said. Grace rewarded her with a ghost of a smile, but she opened the book and didn't look up again. Sal sat back and sighed. She felt like she'd been walking on eggshells around Grace lately and wasn't sure what was going on between them. She thought that once Grace rejoined them, it would all be okay again, but nothing was ever that easy. Who's first on your list, Liam? She asked. What's the name of the woman in Dublin? Kay Stag is first, uh, then December, then Imogene. Imogene's in Bath, but the other two are in Dublin. We can get to Bath tomorrow. Kay Stag? December. Sal repeated their names as if they were foreign words. Did you ever date anyone normal? Grace asked. Well, Imogene was pretty normal, he said defensively. And me, I don't have a stupid internet name, Sal said. December is her real name. She had hippie parents, Liam said. Sure, Grace said. What's K-Stag's excuse? Liam didn't answer her. K-Stag lived in a small Dublin flat in a part of town that Sal didn't want to ever visit again. Three people tried to sell them drugs and or sex on the way to the flat, and they'd taken a cab to the building. From the sidewalk, Liam looked up at the door, rubbing the back of his head. You two wait here. If she was really jealous, and if I show up with two women, she's gonna start out in a bad mood. But we're not, Sal began. Liam waved her protest away. Doesn't matter. She makes her own reality. Sal shrugged and Grace sat down on the stoop. Liam went inside the apartment building. Grace leaned her head back, looking at the gray sky. Sal read the names on the mailboxes, if only to ignore the drug dealer appraising her. What the hell kind of name is K-Stag, anyway? Sal asked. Is it on her mailbox? Grace asked. Mm, I don't see that name. There's a Katie with two E's. Maybe that's her. If my name was Katie with two E's, I might go by K-Stag too, Grace said. Maybe she identifies with a stag as her, I don't know, a spirit animal? Yeah, but I'll bet everything I have that she's not Native American. Maybe she's stupid. Maybe she's genderqueer. Maybe it's none of our business. 
Grace said, closing her eyes and reclining against the stairs as if they were an easy chair. I guess you're right. Sal walked over and joined Grace. The stoop was narrow and their thighs touched as she sat down. Already crammed against the edge, Grace inched further from her. Did he tell you what he did to this one? Grace asked, eyes still closed. Treated her poorly, was all he said. He was a love him and leave him type. I think he may have also introduced them to the network. Maybe he also got someone into a situation that turned their legs into tent. A door opened behind them and Grace clammed up. Liam stuck his head outside. Gonna take a bit longer than I thought, he said. Someone screamed at him inside. A glass something shattered against the wall and he flinched. Why don't you two go out for a bite to eat or something? He disappeared and slammed the door and the screaming continued. Maybe stag stands for screaming, terrifying, angry girl, Grace said, finally opening her eyes. At least now it does, Sal said and got to her feet. Grace rose next to her. There's a pub down the road, she said and started walking. I think K-Stag could use a drink more than we could, Sal ventured. Another breakable thing shattered behind the closed doors. I think she's getting what she needs, Grace said. Sounds like closure to me. You may not be on an elite team of investigators fighting the dangers of magic, but that doesn't mean you have to be defenseless when it comes to protecting your data online. Lucky for you, our partners at NordVPN know their way around the World Wide Web. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, which creates a sort of encrypted tunnel while you're online, protecting your private data like bank details and passwords, so you can browse safely wherever you are in the world. In addition to providing you with a high level of security online, my favorite use of NordVPN is to virtually switch my location, so I can watch movies and shows that aren't currently available in my area. Plus, that way I can still access my favorite content when I'm traveling as well. I'm a fan of pretty much any British TV show, but they aren't always available in the US, so with NordVPN, I can virtually travel across the pond to enjoy my telly. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world, and you can get all that speed, protection, and virtual locations for the price of just a coffee a month. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com bookburners. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. We can imagine many potential futures. Some serve as inspiration, others, warnings. Wondery offers one possibility of the future in their new show, The Last City. The year is 2072, and the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. They sat next to each other at the bar. 
Grace had chosen the bar stools instead of a booth, which seemed odd to Sal since Team 3 rarely liked to have public conversations. Grace stared at her white wine. Sal sipped at her beer and fidgeted on her stool. Finally, she said, all right, I know you're not still trying to figure out why her name is K-Stag. What's going on with you? Grace took another drink of her wine, stalling, Sal thought. She downed it in one gulp and motioned to the bartender for another one. I don't like a lot of change, she finally said. Sal frowned. Well, the world has changed a lot around you while you slept, and most of your life has been affected by change, for the worse. Sal paused. That sounded obvious and stupid. I mean, stability is where you find peace. It makes sense that you're unsettled by change. She fiddled with the wet napkin under her pint glass. What specific change are you worried about right now? Going from team three to team one, and now I'm back with you guys, she said. I am starting to doubt my decisions, not to mention doubt my... She paused, searching what I want in my life. Well, what do you want? Sal asked helpfully. Grace gave her a long, slow, disdainful look. If I knew that, we wouldn't be talking about it. No, you said that you doubted what you wanted, not that you didn't know. What is this about, anyway, team switches? Grace picked up her wine glass and didn't look at Sal. You know you're being difficult here, Sal said, trying to catch Grace's eye in the mirror behind the bar. I can't help if you don't answer the questions. Who said I wanted your help, Grace said. Sal waited a beat to make sure she'd heard Grace right. You did, when we became friends and fought demons together and saved each other's lives about a hundred times. When you say you want my help when we're fighting a demon from hell, I sort of assume you want my help when it comes to problems that are harder to punch. She poked Grace in the arm. Those are the problems you have more trouble with. Grace sighed and the tension went out of her shoulders. You're right. Why can't we just punch the real problems in life? You can punch demons, even Norse, but you can't punch the Vatican, or Fox, or Sansoni, Sal said, or Menchu. I could punch them, Grace corrected, smiling slightly. I just probably shouldn't. Sal laughed and settled onto her bar stool, feeling as if a bullet had whizzed by her, and she was only glad that it hadn't hit her. Grace sobered. But you're right. My world is black and white. I don't have a lot of room for Grays. The fact is, Sal, she finally met her friend's eyes, and Sal was shocked to see them slightly wet. I don't have time for Grays. I wake up, punch shit, go to sleep. The grave problems are solved without me. You also read and spend time with us and make fun of Liam and spar with me, Sal said gently. You do have more going on than you admit, even if we aren't gray, per se. You're gray. Grace said, her face suddenly naked with emotion. You're very gray. Manchu is gray, Asante is, I don't even know what color. See, Sal, team one is black and white. I fit in there, wake up, punch shit, go to sleep. Then why are you here? Sal asked, anger flaring. If you're so unhappy and don't know what to do with us, why did you come back? Because this is home, Grace said immediately. And if I am not home, then I might as well just stay asleep. Sal let Grace compose herself and instead focused on the television behind the bar. A football match was just starting. Then she reached out and took Grace's hand. 
It lay limp within her own, but then slowly her fingers curled to hold Sal's. We're glad to be your home, Grace. I'm glad to be your home. Grace smiled slightly, and for a moment, Sal thought she wasn't going to let her hand go, but she did. Then Sal noticed a definite shift in Grace's mass. She took a deep breath, and the tension left her shoulders completely. She felt the reassuring pressure of Grace's knee against hers as they sat side by side. When Liam found them an hour later, they were yelling at the television to support Arsenal along with the rest of the pub. They didn't comment on his swollen lip. Liam collapsed back onto Sal's bed, swearing at the ceiling. I can't fucking believe you went drinking without me, he said. You told us to, Sal said, unpacking her overnight bag onto the dresser. Grace was in the tub. Yeah, but you were supposed to stay, Liam said. Fight me. Support me, even if I push you away. Is that what you really want? No, what I really want is a pint. Did she eventually forgive you? Sal asked, the haystag person. Yeah, well, no, not really, Liam said. She said she would forgive me if I jumped into hell and never bothered her again. And I tried to explain how that was very literally something I could do for her, but she didn't want to hear about it. He sighed mightily. Whatever. I said what I needed to say to her. That's done. They'd gotten two hotel rooms and unpacked after the much less eventful visit to hippie descended December. She hadn't been home, but her apartment had been in a much fancier part of town than case tags. Grace had said something about how the name made the person, but Liam ignored her. Liam left December a note. What time is the ferry to Wales? Sal asked. Eight in the morning, he groaned. Then we should get some sleep. Right, he said and got up. He strained his shirt and smiled at her. To the bar, then. Naturally, she said. Sal woke up with her mouth tasting like fur and her head pounding. Grace dressed, looking as if she had been up for hours. She handed Sal an orange sports drink. What? Oh, God, Sal said as her headache spiked. Why, God, yeah, Grace said. She sat on her bed, which was already made. She should know she didn't have to make a bed in a hotel room. You and Liam shared stories last night of lost loves. We learned the tragic story of December and the tragic story of Ryan. Ryan, Sal said. Ryan had been her unrequited high school crush. Yes, Grace said dryly. I finally got you two poured into bed around three. Thanks. Sal muttered. What time is it? It's 6.30. We have to leave for the ferry in half an hour. Shit. Is Liam awake? I pounded on his door before I got you up. He swore at me, so I know he's conscious. Sal trudged by her icy friend to the bathroom, opening the sports drink as she went. What had got into her last night? She remembered stories and some tears and some disdainful looks from Grace. She remembered leaning on Grace on the way back to the room and telling her how much she appreciated her. She groaned as she turned on the full force of the hot water. She'd gone all, I love you, man, on Grace. How embarrassing. With Tylenol and 32 ounces of orange electrolytes in her belly, the clean and refreshed Sal felt much better. 
They made it to the ferry just in time and secured a cushy booth by the window so they could watch the gloomy Irish sky turn into gloomy Welsh sky. Did I tell you about Imogene? Liam asked, waking Sal out of a doze. I honestly don't remember, Sal said, rubbing her head. You didn't. She's got to be the only one we didn't hear about last night, Grace said. She was wild. If she wanted you, she'd take you anywhere, everywhere. I don't know whether to ask if she was ever arrested for sexual assault or plagued with STDs, Sal said. Arrested for indecent exposure many times, Liam said, smiling. Then he sobered. Then, of course, she liked the DJ spinning so much that she just fucked him right there and then in the club. Charming, Grace said. Can't wait to meet her. Well, the woman had stock in a condom company. Or she should have, Liam said. As crazy as she was, I never knew her to ride bareback. If she got knocked up, then there went her lifestyle. I don't understand how one carefully plans to protect a wild, hedonistic lifestyle, Sal said. Seems like someone ready to fuck a stranger in a club isn't the kind to be prepared. She was always prepared in case she wanted to fuck someone in a club, Liam said. Girl was uninhibited. He chuckled. <laughs> this one time we... He slowed down when he saw the look on Grace's face. Uh, never mind. No, go on. I'm gonna walk around the ferry, Grace said and got up. Sal watched her go. I don't know what's gotten into her, unless she wasn't up for seeing us get sloppy drunk last night. She paused, considering, which is probably the case. Liam stared at her. You don't remember. Sal shook her head. I remember bits and pieces. What the hell did we drink? High gravity beer, he said. I'll never drink again. Until the next time, Sal agreed. But what did I do? You started talking about an ex-girlfriend, Amy, telling us how you met, your sex life, how you broke up, everything. Grace just climbed up and got really uncomfortable. I didn't know you were gay either. You certainly didn't seem gay when we were together. Oh, Sal said, understanding. I'm not gay, I'm bisexual. I thought you knew that. Liam shrugged. Maybe I wasn't so attentive a lover. I already apologized for that, right? Right, Sal said absently. Although I think I would have remembered that, he continued. Anyway, after that, you started pushing Grace for her history, asking who she had dated, who she had fallen for in her time. She wouldn't answer any of the questions, and finally said it was time for us to go to bed, and she dragged us upstairs. I guess I got too personal, Sal said. She shrugged. So are you gonna go all weird on me now? Nah, he said. I'm just glad we aren't dating anymore. I would probably say some things I would definitely regret. How self-examining of you, she said. You are listening to Book Burners, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Book Burners is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Margaret Dunlap, Murr Lafferty, Andrea Phillips, and Brian Francis Slattery. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Performed by Exe Sands. Audio production by Amanda Rose Smith, with additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme by Hashem Asadolahi, featuring Jody Redditch Ferber and mixed by Justin Morrell. Cover art by Annie Wu. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolihi. Find more shows like Book Burners by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.